0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm the Reverend Denise Anderson, Coordinator for Racial and Intercultural Justice with the Presbyterian Mission Agency in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm so glad to be with you on this Pentecost Day so that we might all hear a word from the Lord. Let us pray. Holy One, open our hearts and minds by the power of your wind, of your spirit that as your scriptures are read and as your word is proclaimed, we might indeed hear with joy what you say to us and be challenged to live into new and more just realities. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from Genesis, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Let us listen now for God's word to us. Now the whole earth, had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because the Lord there confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. And our New Testament reading comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd like to share today from the topic, Returning to Babel. So this Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost meaning 50, the 50th day after the Passover celebration. For Christians, this day is considered the birthday of the church. Happy birthday, everyone. It is the day when the spirit came upon those disciples whom jesus had left behind with the promise that the spirit would soon come to them and empower them to be his witnesses in the world and today we just read two readings that deal with language that deal with understanding that deal with community now as i shared with you i have the privilege and the responsibility of serving the Presbyterian Church USA as coordinator for racial and intercultural justice. Now, in this role, there are a lot of points of self-interest for me. I'm a third culture kid. I'm a military brat who was not born in the United States. I'm a member of a minoritized group of people who have experienced subjugation, violence, and the commodification of our bodies. Uh, I lived most of my adult life in the Washington DC area where you can walk down the street or go into a store and hear no fewer than five different languages being spoken around you. My life is one where the intersections and clashes of culture and language and race and various identities have always been at play. I have lived the gift and the challenges of Babel and Pentecost my entire life, and I care very deeply that we as the church get this thing right. So I must say that the story that we read from Genesis 11, the story of Shinar, is one of those texts that, as I have gotten older, has troubled me, has, no pun intended, confused me. Because if I'm to lean on what my Sunday school teachers taught me about this story, the God of this text seems difficult. This God seems, frankly, petty to me. The people are, as the text says, one. They're one. They have the same language. They've settled together. They have set out to build something grand together. And isn't that essentially the dream of every group of people on Earth to make a name for ourselves? Many of us would read this story and not really find anything wrong with their ambitions. But as many of us are taught growing up, God knows that they have gotten so powerful and that nothing would soon be impossible for them to do. And God responds by stopping their progress. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, isn't it a testament to the power of, of God that the Most High would create a species that could literally do anything? Why would a God want to impede that progress unless that God was frightened and insecure. If this story was taught to you the way that it was taught to me, you came away from it with the understanding that God was feeling threatened by what God had seen the people do and accomplish. So God then has to confuse their speech so that they don't get too powerful that they're not too successful at their endeavors, that they're not too concentrated in both population and power, God has to spread them out for their own good, but maybe also for God's good. Now, if that has been your reading of the text, let me trouble those waters for you because I feel that that reading is not the most helpful reading. I think it is indeed problematic. Not only does it make God look bad, though I don't really know how much God cares about looking bad, but as scholars like Dr. Eric Barreto have noted, this reading presents diversity as a curse. Diversity is painted as punishment from God or an obstacle that must be overcome rather than the gift that it is. Such readings of this text can distort our views about our differences and they have historically been used by dominant cultures to reinforce the world order, the status quo, and to force assimilation upon subjugated groups. This reading is potentially deadly for many of us who find ourselves in the margins of society because of how we're racialized because of how we're gendered, or the fact that our sexuality or our gender expression is not considered normative. I'm not being hyperbolic by saying that, friends. Our resistance to differences has long been justified using scripture. We saw it happen, in the formulation of the doctrine of discovery in the 15th century. This was a doctrine of displacement of indigenous indigenous peoples that birthed manifest destiny and was cited in a Supreme Court ruling as recently as this century. We saw it happen in the church's just, justification for slavery, an institution that was even defended by many Presbyterians. And we did not recover from that schism until the early 19th We saw it happen in the Dutch Reformed Church in South Africa as they used scripture, this very text that we read, Genesis 11, to justify apartheid. What's more, Pentecost has often been referred to as the reversal of what had transpired at Shinar. At Pentecost, the language barriers were finally removed when the tongues of fire descended upon them and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. In short, Babel is bad because differences were put in place, but Pentecost is good because they were broken down. But friends, if you have an ear to hear, I want to offer a different reading of this story. So think back to when you were in school. I'll use myself as an example. Growing up, math was not my easiest subject. I remember when we got into algebra and pre-algebra and we started examining algebraic equations and I was really frustrated because, well, finally I got numbers Locked down and now you're introducing letters into the mix. I don't understand this. I was a child who would get frustrated when new concepts were introduced to me because I felt very comfortable with the concepts that I had already mastered. And so learning something new from me required a huge pivot that wasn't easy and that I always didn't run to. And maybe some of you were the same way, right? But good teachers get you to master a concept. And then once you've mastered that concept, they then move you on to the next lesson so that you will continue to grow, so that your proficiency will grow, so that you will grow and develop and be better and be better and be better. Yeah, you're going to struggle. But once you master it, you'll be better. Now, friends, what if the story of Shinar in Genesis 11 is a story about God the teacher, a God who wanted to grow humanity in a similar way, a God who wanted to expand humanity's competencies? So, hear me out here. Here is why I offer that. Notice that when we read the text, we are never told explicitly what God is feeling about what the humans had accomplished. We hear what God notices, that they've gotten powerful. We see what God does in response to what the humans have done, but we are never really told what God is feeling, what emotions are rising up for God. We have to read into the text those emotions. And the emotions that we read into the text are intimidation our displeasure. But what if God is trying to build the human's capacity by moving them to the next lesson, by moving them beyond their level of comfort? Maybe God was actually impressed by what the humans had done and decided that it was now time to trust them with more material. They could move on in their training. And might it be, that the humans responded to that new paradigm, to that new lesson by getting stuck, by remaining in their confusion, by never pushing through to mastery of the new paradigm. Another reading of this story suggests that God was trying to get them to go out into the world as God had commanded the first humans to do. Such a reading suggests that God didn't like how concentrated the humans had become, but what if it's even deeper than that? What if God was trying to get them to more intentionally pursue each other? Sure, they had the pursuit of heaven down. They had built this really tall and lofty project, but had that actually brought them closer to each other? In having a common language, have they somehow taken for granted their connection to each other? How far would they go to maintain their connection to each other in the face of something that made it a little harder, i.e. the sudden inability to understand each other? You know, I'm not sure if you have experienced this. But oddly enough, the times that have most strengthened my relationships have been after a communication between another party has broken down. It has been in the hours spent in mediation with colleagues and lemon squeezes with friends or in a therapist's office with my spouse that have led to us coming out on the other side of that breakdown with even stronger bonds than before. We understood each other better because now we had to work at it. We appreciated each other more. It was ironically the things that challenged us that actually brought us closer to each other. But I can tell you that those times were not easy. Ultimately, We know the story of Babel as an etiology that an ancient community used to explain why there were so many different languages between us and so much diversity among humanity. If the Babel story should teach us anything, it's that God's goals and human's goals are often at odds. Humans want ascension and upward mobility, whereas God wants to focus our attention and our intention elsewhere. I truly believe that the ideology of the story of Shinar is that God looks for ways to make human relationships even more profound. I don't believe that God is interested in a humanity that is so heavenly minded that it is of no earthly good. I believe the ideology of this story is that God wants humans right here on earth, serving each other, loving each other, being with each other, not reaching for a heaven out there, but creating a heaven right here. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe, I see that we constantly miss this lesson. This story, this etiology is meant to say to us that somewhere along the line in our history and in our socialization, we became alienated from each other. And in that process, we abandoned both our relationships with each other and our collective pursuit of God. But friends, there was yet hope. And that hope would come in the form of God once again coming down among humanity, this time as a vulnerable child among a besieged community in a fractured world. It would come in a man who had a lot of embrace for those whom the community had abandoned and a lot of critique for the community that abandoned them. It came in a man who ironically was a carpenter, a builder who put those skills of building to work, building not lofty edifices, but the very reign of God, turning common fishermen into fishers of men, of all people. It would come in a man who would go around healing the sick and never taking a copay. It would come in one who would proclaim freedom for captives, sight for the blind, and the year of the Lord's favor. It would come in a man who would teach us how to bring heaven down to us rather than us going up to heaven. It would come in a man who would be put to death for coming for the king. Kingdoms of the powerful. It would come in God's resurrection of that man after his murder and on Pentecost his church was born. His body that was animated by the spirit, his hands and his feet were set into motion. His mouth was open to proclaim the good news and the salvation of the nations was set in place. Friends, Pentecost is not the reversal of Babel. Pentecost is a return to Babel. It is a return to the work and the relationships that we abandoned when things got difficult, when they got too challenging, when they no longer came easy for us. So I have to ask, how are we doing with that? How are we living into that return to Babel in these days? when we have been challenged to keep each other safe in the midst of a pandemic by eschewing the things that we have ordinarily turned to for comfort, and wearing masks that might irritate our faces and fog up our glasses. How are we doing with that return to Babel? How are we doing when Black and Latinx and indigenous communities are hit hardest and most vulnerable by this virus, not just because of comorbidities, but from social realities that have been crafted over generations that impact our access to healthcare and our safety and work environments? How are we doing in this return to Babel when extrajudicial judicial killings of Black siblings continue, persist, how are we doing? Are we really all in this thing together because the disparities that persist would suggest otherwise? Despite our physical proximity to each other, are we as scattered from each other as we have ever been? How are we doing? At this Pentecost event, God is asking God's people, can you hear me now? Can you understand me now? Can you understand each other now? Because if you do, then you will understand me. If you love each other, then you will have loved me. If you serve each other, then you will have served me. In this Pentecost, may we take this opportunity to love God more deeply by loving each other more relentlessly. May our reception of both God and our siblings be perfect. May it all be animated and empowered by God's Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh among us today and every day may we return to babel may we return to you amen and amen